Hello and welcome everybody. Yes, I've live episode 156 this afternoon, Monday afternoon. It's a new week. We have a new expert joining us in a few short seconds. John Finnick of Finnick Consulting. Excited to talk to John. Like we, we've talked on and off for a couple of years now. So I'm excited to join uh, that he is joining me here on SF Live to share his input or insights into the market. And of course, he's going to share some top stock picks with us. His strategy or his philosophies go anywhere, not just gold and silver. So we're going to talk about that and uh, what other commodities he has in or are in favor for him or to him right now as well. Uh, but be reminded, this is an interactive format. So if you do have any questions for John, make sure to use either YouTube chat or the uh, Twitter hashtag function, ask uh, Fennec, and we will get to those questions at the end of our conversation as well. Or we'll sprinkle them in if, as we see fit during our live conversation here with John. Also, please be reminded to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. We do all our interviews live. So you do have an advantage if you turn on that bell notification as well. You will get a push notification when we go live and investors, you will get uh, the first update here and won't miss anything. Now, I've said enough. Let me switch over to our guest. John, thanks for joining us. How are you? It's great to have you on. Like we've been chatting on and off for a while now and uh, it's finally time to have you on as an expert on SF Live. Um, why don't you give us a quick introduction? It's your first appearance, so give us an introduction. Who, who is John Fennec and uh, what does uh, Fennec Consulting do? We now have a five-year track record that I've developed on my own, which I'm very proud of. Um, and we're top decile for all time periods, one, three, five years, uh, as of 12, 31, 20. So, um, you know, we're, we, we have a number of different things going on, Kai, with regards to Fennec Consulting. One is we work with uh, small cap, micro cap mining and energy companies in terms of helping them raise awareness for their stock and what their story is. Um, so that's one aspect, you know, working directly with CEOs. Secondly, we work with high net worth investors that would be your listeners, you know, talking to them as well as the average, you know, person. Um, you know, I, I have a similar philosophy to Dave Earthley, who introduced us a few years ago where I'm trying to help everyone. And I know that's hard to do, but there are a lot of people out there that get excluded because the Merrill Lynch's and Morgan Stanley's of the world now, you know, draw the line, the sand at 500 K or a million dollars. And not everyone has that to invest in our sector. Right. So I try to provide portfolio reviews and do phone calls with people kind of old school uh, as a licensed advisor. I try to guide them through, Hey, look, you know, you bought this stuff in June, July, August, it's not going to work right now. You're underwater. Let's move on with some names that are more representative of an opportunity today. And then lastly, I work with financial advisors because that's where I worked uh, for 20 something years in, in sales with, with FAs that, you know, work at bigger shops, but also work independently and trying to educate them about our sector. Because as you know, so many are, are underweight gold and silver and mining equities in general. So, so your general focus is actually mining equities. I, I've seen in your bio you worked on ETFs as well. So I'm quite curious, like mm -hmm. how much of a portion you're recommending to your to your um, clients. Actually, you can say you can call them clients. I was trying to find a good name, like investors, your investor base, like your clients. Um, do do you put them in uh, gold and silver ETFs as well? Yeah, and and um, that would be, of course, GDX or GDXJ from Van Eck. Uh, we have to have a core position in something like that as a portfolio manager, right? But that is about 10% of our portfolio right now overall. Um, we just bought SIL here today, just below 40 bucks, because I, I unlike some, think that silver equities are starting to bottom. Um, I, I don't know. You can never time the top or bottom, as you know, but it just feels to me like they're just itching to move up. <laughs> um, so we put a little position on there. Um, the larger cap silver equity uh, ETFs would be SIL or SLVP. 
you know, we, we, we trade them depending on, you know, the situation. Uh, SILJ is the, is the small or micro cap, you know, silver names, which we haven't really gotten into just yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I have a background in mutual funds and ETFs. So I use those as core holdings and then I sprinkle in individual micro cap and small cap and mid cap, you know, uh, mining and equity, uh, energy stocks uh, as satellite positions. That is quite interesting because ETFs, I'm a bit adverse because I like to support the industry and ETFs are more overall investment vehicle. Like the money doesn't directly end up in the companies, right? So um, True. like how, a bit tough to build shareholder value. So I'm a bit, uh, for me, the ETFs are a bit of a controversial topic. I can see how it makes it easier, right? So uh, investing. I totally agree with you. And, and uh, you know, working for the sixth largest ETF vendor in 2016, when we had the flash crash, I can tell you that ETFs are not for everyone. They, they are cheap. And they are liquid sometimes, but uh, you have to really be careful. You have to do your homework. Yeah, no, for sure. And you, you touched on something. You mentioned silver. You, you have a feeling that silver's bottom. Uh, bottoming. Oh my goodness, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I can't even pronounce words anymore. But no uh, like that, you see a cycle. Like that, we see a turnaround in, in gold and silver prices. So I really like. I want to see get a bit of a feel from you as well. Like, where's your commodities outlook? Where do you stand for gold and silver in particular? Um, let's focus on those two commodities first, and then we can sort of look at broader base metals and energy metals as well. Like, where do you see gold and silver heading from now? Sure. So in Q4, I did a few shows like this with Bill Powers, Carrie Lutz, you know, friends of mine. And I was saying we were out of gold at 1935, 1940 an ounce and got a lot of pushback from clients on that because, as you know, a lot of listeners had physical gold and believed that gold was going to go right back to 2000 plus. But we felt differently and we still are on the sidelines. We own zero GLD or gold at all right now. Um, we think that it doesn't really matter for the gold equities. Like, you know, we're buying BTG today at 444 a, a share. I mean, BTG's all in sustaining cost is AI, uh, that stands for AISC, is 750 to $800 an ounce. So if you're at 1700 gold, you're just going to print money in our view. Um, Newmont would be another name that we've been buying on the conservative side, NEM, because of the same situation, right? They're all in sustaining costs is around a thousand bucks. Um, you know, back in 2011, 2012, when the stock was flying high, it didn't have $700 an ounce margins, right? So I think it's just a matter of time before mid and, and large cap value managers start to come to our space. Um, and they may be coming to the gold equities more than just gold in general, in our view. Um, in terms of silver, silver is our number two holding right now. We've been buying here recently where a lot of our peers have been selling or saying it's going to hit 21 or 22 an ounce. We're not in that camp at all. We think silver is going to, if it gets there, it's going to get there very briefly, right? Because if you look at what the Silver Institute put out a few months ago, there was you know, a 6% drop in silver production year over year. And that doesn't sound so meaningful, but when you look at the struggles that a lot of these mining companies are still having because of COVID in terms of you know, social distancing and just, you know, sh just traditional shutdowns that we both know happen in our industry, whether it's South Africa or Mexico, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And um, we think that silver is going to be, uh, it's attractive in that it's, it's industrial and it's precious, right? So that double-edged sword um, is, is very attractive to us because we think that we're in a rally here for an everything industrial. Now, it's interesting you mentioned Newmont because it's a stock, like I'm, I don't follow the majors too much, but it's a stock I have on my radar because they've increased dividends, they're buying back stock. Is that something our sector needs to do to attract more the generalist investor again? Is that something you're looking for as well? 
Yes. So, you know, coming from the mutual fund world, I can tell you I've worked with some of the best, you know, out there that manage billions of dollars, unlike myself, right? So these guys are heavy hitters. They're looking for yield, right? So they are looking for some type of yield. Newmont has raised its dividend now to 3.8% yield, which is closing in on four. And at 4%, you're very attractive to most large cap value managers. And I think Newmont's going to go from 60 and a half here to, to back to 72's high last year very easily. Um, it, as you remember, last April when they came out with earnings, you know, the stock exploded. I think it was up 11 percent in one day. And most people don't look at it as a large cap stock, but it's not a large cap stock, right? It's 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 more it's the larger it's a larger cap stock in our sector. But when you look at all the opportunities that have, a PM would have out there in large cap um, or mid cap value, there's there's it's a very small stock, right? And the other thing I like about it, Kai, it's the only mining stock in the S and P 500. So when you look at, you know, exposure to a major index like that, it's attractive. Yeah, it's like I think Newmont's like I was looking at the chart, it already started running from $55 the other day when they announced the increase in dividend. So the market seems to be paying attention to, to that sort of thing as well. Quite interesting to see, actually, because especially with the free cash flow yields, which are beating all the top companies in the S&P 500 by by far, like I'm just waiting for that little domino to fall, fall get into our yeah. sector. And any it's, speculation on what that domino might be? That last one that tips it off. Hmm. Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to be a broad market sell-off, and I think we're going to get that between now and Memorial Day. I couldn't tell you when or how, um, but we're keeping our our eye on things like the IWM. Um, you know, if you look at the Russell 2000, it's been trading very poorly in our view over the last five or six sessions. We actually went short last week in full disclosure, um, which I know is is not you know the most uh, popular, I guess, with with markets raging higher, but. We, we look at things getting really frothy in some of these small cap stocks in the in, in us and globally that have no you know real volume and so if you look at the iwm it led us down in september 2018 and that decline it also led us down in february of 2020's decline so i would have you know a, an eye on that to understand when the us market might be turning over a bit uh, so we just had the 1.9 trillion dollar COVID relief package Biden has already been talking about $3 billion and yet another COVID package maybe later this year. Um, what, what other metals are you looking at in that regard? And in regard to infrastructure, I'm assuming base metals are high on your list? They are, yeah. So copper, we've been bullish on since May of last year. Um, our top copper pick is, is uh, Copper Bank, which is CPPKF. Um, Gianni and I met at uh, VRIC in Vancouver about a year and a third ago. And I just saw him present and I went up to him and I said, geez, you know, they, you really have a compelling story there that no one's talking about. And Copper was really just depressed at that time. And he was just as lively as ever. And he's like, I'm buying in the open market. My chairman's buying in the open market. And I, I look for those kind of things. You know, one of the things I look for is insider ownership or just having conviction in what you're doing, right? Um, so we partnered with him around 12 and a half cents last summer and the stock's trading nearly at 50 cents US right now. I think there's further upside there as they're talking about partnering with a big marketing firm here uh, as early as next week. So, you know, if you've got that kind of, you know, now you've got a bigger entity coming behind you and, and putting the story out there, um, that, that should be exciting. But copper in general has just exploded here. You know, you, you, you went through that 330 resistance level and then 350 pretty easily. And now you, you've crossed that magical $4 number where I think a lot of these copper juniors are getting overlooked here. So we've sold most of our bigger positions in copper like fcx or, or the bigger cap stuff in favor of names like copper bank that we think have a higher uh, probability of success in terms of percentage gain 
do you have any thoughts on nickel, zinc, any of the new, it's like, let's call them battery material, the new battery materials? Sure. Yeah, I think nickel's the real deal here. I mean, if you look at the chart of just the price of nickel, it's exploded as well. And we're playing that through FPX nickel, which is uh, FPOCF in the States and FPX in uh, Canada. Um, I've known Martin Turin, the CEO there for almost two years, and we partnered with him at 10 cents on FPOCF. It's our largest nickel holding in full disclosure. But I think it's our largest holding for a reason, right? It's, it's undervalued versus Talon and some of the peer group out there that are trading at much higher valuations. So when Elon Musk last summer came out with the whole nickel thing that everyone I'm sure has heard about, you, know, you saw stocks like Giga Metals uh, just blow up. I mean, it was up 270 something percent in one day. And um, that tells me there's 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 going to be some really interesting money to be made in nickel stocks because there's some bigger money watching this stuff, right? So we like nickel stocks, but we like it through a major like um, maybe an Impala or a Norilsk, but we like the, the the small cap stuff through FBX as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Any like any thoughts on oil at all? Like where, where do you see the oil price going? Sure. You're U.S. based, obviously, so it yeah. uh, it impacts you, and you feel the the gas uh, the price of gas going up daily. So very true. Um, you know, oil. If you look at USO as a proxy for the price of oil, uh, not perfect uh, product by the way, and it does generate a K one. So I don't recommend buying it. Um, there's other things you can buy, and I'd be happy to talk to your your listeners about that. But look at USO just last week. I mean, it was up, down, up, down, and big percentage gains or losses. So you're starting to see this kind of, you know, maybe maybe near-term topping out in energy. I'm not really sure. Um, but we're buying some, some really small stuff in that space that is beaten up. Like, I think natural gas represents a lot of value here. So we we own a company called Trillion Energy, which is uh, symbol TCFF in the U.S., TCF in the in Canada, and also trades in Germany. Um, I talked to the CEO in July just on a cold call, and you know, the stock was at four cents back then. And um, yeah, I just got the feeling that this this company, if they got any funding whatsoever, they could actually you know double production. And, and so that's what they're talking about right now. They're trying to secure financing, and I think they're going to get it. And so, you know, trading at uh, 26 cents US now, it's had a nice run up, but it topped out at 52 cents just two weeks ago. So I think there's a lot of upside in a name like that because they are going to put up some numbers. They don't have uh, debt concerns and they're, they're going to be getting a cash infusion. Um, but yeah, certain natural gas stocks, certain energy stocks, certain clean energy stocks are very attractive to us. And we also run an energy portfolio as well. As we just learned, you have a couple of like top picks at various groups, like energy base metals as well. You have a go anywhere philosophy, right? That's what the website yep. says as well. Like you, you look at everything. Um, run us a bit through your stock selection process. You said you met with management, you have a relationship with management. So I'm assuming yeah. management is a big box you need to tick, right? Uh, what, what else are you looking for? Management is a big box. And if you don't mind, I'll just expand on that a little bit because I, I you know, I'm picky. Um, I've been in this business 29 years. And when people don't turn, return my calls, it's cool because I realize they're busy. But if they don't return four of my calls, then I'm pr pretty much moving on to the next one, right? Because I, I don't really need to stick around. We've developed a good track record. And, and if people don't want to partner, that's fine. There's plenty of other people that do. So we look at, you know, a management's capability to communicate with us in a time like this, right? Like a gold and silver ET, uh, a CEO right now, like when it's six, seven months, you know, everyone's got head in hands. I want to talk to them right now. I don't want to talk to them in July. I know, I know what's going on in July. The price is soaring higher, right? 
Um, I want to talk to them right now to see, hey, as a value manager, what catalysts do you see for the next three to six to 12 months? And, you know, what you know, threats do you see as well? So we just kind of get the whole picture. We also look carefully, Kai, at financings, which makes us a little bit different. I know there's some peers of mine that don't care when a financing comes, but we think that can be a dilutive event, even if you don't issue warrants. Um, if you look at you know, a number of names recently that didn't issue any warrants, they still decline 10, 15, 20% uh, because of the financing. And we just wanna be aware of that and what the ca- company's needs are for cash. Um, we look at uh, no to little debt is, is important as well because of what happened in the 0809 crisis. We don't forget that companies can go out. <laughs> so we look at uh, that as a, as a real, you know, issue as well. But we are looking for, um, you know, something like I mentioned with Copper Bank, right? Are they going to partner with a big marketing firm and get the story out there? A lot of times with TCFF and CPPKF, it was simply no marketing for two or three years, right? It's not like copper and natural gas were really hot. So there's no reason to spend money, but now there is. So when you get the name out there through Kitco or some other big, you know, um, uh, venue, then there's going to be a lot of eyes on that particular stock. No, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, you you mentioned a couple names already. And uh, do you have any other top picks you want to discuss with us as well? Like, really, like, do you have anything in the gold space? You mentioned copper, you mentioned nickel, uh, energy, of course. Anything you're, any, or any particular company you follow in the gold space? Yeah, I'll mention gold and silver. And, and I wrote on Palladium uh, for Sprott for a while, so I can give you one or two there. In gold, you know, our, our top gold pick is, again, an out-of-favor name that is not in vogue at all. It's U.S. Gold. It's uh, USAU. Uh, known Ed Carr for two years, who is the former CEO, um, just stepped down as chairman to be a consultant for the company. So um, I think that they're going to name someone, and I don't know for sure, but why would he step down? It seems odd to me because Ed is so committed to the company. So I think there's something going on there because the CEO that replaced Ed is a guy named George B, B-E-E. And if you look at his track record, you know, he worked at Barrick on their largest international mine, which was Pascualama. And, you know, he has a lot of success in mining. So why does a guy in his 60s come out of retirement to go run a little microcap gold stock, right? It's interesting to me. Um, but then you look at Copper King, which is starting to develop into their top story in my view. And they've got a lot of copper in the ground that people aren't aware of. So I love, you know, uh, roundabout, you know, copper plays, not directly in the name necessarily, right? Like MUX comes to mind. McEwen's got a big Argentinian, you know, copper play, but everyone thinks of them as gold only, right? But they actually, you know, could sell that off and and get a lot for it, right? A couple billion. Um, So, you know, I think U.S. gold is is a really interesting name in that their share structure is so tight. I mean, they're on the NASDAQ and they have less than 7 million shares outstanding. So when you start adding up what Ed owns, what George owns, what I own, like there's no float out there. If gold goes up, that's going up a lot. So we have a a significant target on USAU. Uh, We like Fury uh, because of Ivan Bevic and his team. Um, Fury is completely out of favor right now to $1.17, $1.18. That is the price kind of around where they did the East Main deal, you know, late last year and hit a buck eight, buck oh eight last year. But um, I mean, that represents a lot of value in our view. I mean, it hit $2 in 2021. So, you know, you're buying it way off uh, from the year to date high. Uh, Radisson is another name that a lot of people um, don't know about, but I really like um, 
Raul and Uber there. They're they're very communicative. I mean, I send them emails, they get back to me within an hour. I mean, they're they're very dialed into what they have there at O'Brien. And it isn't a large land package, but they did expand that land package if your clients look at the uh, late August news flow. So they have a pretty decent package and they're they're drilling the heck out of that property and they're they're coming up with some good drill results in my view. Um, that ticker is RMRDF. Um, I like core mining um, because it's completely out of favor as well. That's K-O-R-E-F. Scott Treblecock has a, has a history of, of, you know, selling things. Um, so I don't think that core is going to be around forever. You know, they're not looking to build necessarily mines, but they're going to get value for what they have, what they do own, which is two uh, U.S. based, you know, uh, locations. They just spun off their BC assets. And I think that's putting some pressure on the stock. So, you know, when you look at, what those assets are, though, the BC assets, in my view, are way less valuable than the U.S. assets. And, and so um, Eric Sprott owns 26% of CoreF. Um, that, to me, is a pretty nice endorsement because it's not just Sprott Asset Management. It's Eric directly owning a quarter of the shares. Um, New Placer Dome is another one that I like as well, um, just as a complete you know value play here, and that's NPDCF. Um, I talked to Max Sally, the CEO there for the first time just two months ago when the stock started to crater here. And uh, they came out with some good results at Kinsley. And, and Kinsley is a former property at Liberty. So, you know, Cal Everett knows what he's doing. Um, I, I think that that stock is going to, you know, bounce here in, in the 15 cent level uh, US. I mean, it hit 30 cents in January of this year. So you're seeing a lot of these stories, you know, Kai, where, where they're off 40, 50, 60% from just January. So I think there's a lot of value in some of these uh, micro cap and small cap gold plays. As far as silver goes, you know, our top two holdings in silver right now are uh, AUMN, which is gold and minerals. Um, AUMN I've had a relationship with for five years and, and I've really started to load up here in 2020 and 2021 because I got the sense that they were going back into production. And when an exploration company goes into production, you know how meaningful that is, right? It's it's rare to see some, some companies make that jump right over the development stage, right into production, but they had the infrastructure in place. Um, you know, Warren Rain, the CEO, has got a ton of experience uh, being the former head geo at Barrick US, um, and he's on a stock under a dollar. You know, it's like, I think there's tremendous value there as silver prices increase because they're not hedging any production, which is something I should also mention I look for is like, I want full exposure in this market. I don't want a stock that's necessarily hedging. Um, so AUMN is fully exposed to the silver price. And the name is sort of misleading because gold and minerals implies gold. They're only about 20% gold or about 80% silver. Um, that would make them out, probably the highest pure silver play out there if they go into production, eh? Yeah, they're, they're very, uh, very pure play, like an AG, you know, but they're not as heavily shorted. So, um, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of upside here at 62 cents on, on AUMN. Um, Aftermath Silver is another one that I got into because of our friend Dave Erfley. Um, I, I did not find that one on my own, but around 29 cents, he put out a, a really great piece last year. It got me interested. I bought the stock and wrote it all the way to a dollar and got out. And I got just back in here um, literally yesterday or Friday, the, the 26th of March. Um, so I got in at, 20, at 68 cents because there was some support there. Um, we found support there again today. So I, I went in again at, at 69 cents today. And so, you know, a, a stock that was nearly double that with heavy volume just a few months ago, again, 50% off. Like, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's shocking to see 
how quickly uh, a lot of people have exited some of these names. But I think there's a lot of value there because they're modeling everything they do around $17 an ounce silver. They're not looking at 20 or 25, right? So like their projects are economic at $17 silver. Yeah, there's a lot of upside to be had. And the last few months have been horrendous because it's just a complete sentiment change, right? And we're still trading above $1,700 in gold and over $25 in silver, if I'm not mistaken. If nothing's changed the last 15 minutes, right? So um, I, I, that's what's puzzling to me. I, I'm, I'm hoping we'll get back to some more value investing as well in our space. And yes. uh, as we discussed, Newmont, for example, that the journalists do find those stocks more appealing in the future as well because there are so much upside to be had. As you said, stocks have been pummeled as of late. So, yep. John, it was fantastic speaking with you. Thanks for running us through Thanks, your Kat. top picks. Thanks for giving sharing your insights with us. Um, where can sure. our, our followers, our viewers find more uh, about you? Sure. So it's fenicconsulting.com, F-E-N-E-C-K consulting.com, or you can email me directly at john.fenick at yahoo.com. Um, and I'm happy to talk to anyone, Kai. You know, I, I one of the things that I mentioned, you know, that I think is is of value is that a lot of people put hundreds of thousands of dollars to work in mining, as you know, and they they don't spend money on, you know, maintaining those positions, right? So like if you spend a few hundred bucks on a portfolio review with a licensed advisor like me or someone else, I think it's very valuable because you're, you're basically going to get someone who can look at what you have, give you some guidance and help you feel good so you don't sell out of the bottom, right? I mean, because right now there are certain days, as you pointed out, they just don't feel very good. And I feel like we're really close to a near-term bottom here. Well, let's hope so, because I'm fully invested in precious metals as well, or precious metal stocks. <laughs> so let's hope for that turnaround. John, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Kai. I uh, hope to have you back again soon to, to discuss like your thesis there, whether we were close or not, and uh, maybe in July when everything's booming, according to you. Sounds great. So um, everybody else, thanks for watching. Thanks for following us. This was SF Live episode 156. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube or Twitter. Hit that like and subscribe button, of course. Leave a comment, leave a like. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, rate this podcast so others can find it as well. And uh, make sure to turn on the bell notification on Twitter and uh, YouTube as well. That way you get notified when we go live with another update. All our interviews are live. You have the advantage. Use it. Thanks so much. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates and uh, company interviews.